Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Welcome. This is Read My Lips Radio, cool conversations with creatives. I've got a full house. First, I have to do a hello to everybody in the U.S. who is celebrating Memorial Day as I am as an American, grateful for all the service people, any age, any stripe, any way they live for defending our freedoms to speak, for defending our freedom to think to be who we are, the freedom I have to broadcast my kind of radio show on Facebook and on Voice America. And thank you for all who have served and especially for those who know people who have given their lives for our country. So Memorial Day, there you go. Now, read my lips, cool conversations. I've got three creatives recalling this show today, the power, the empowerment of female writers. And I have one writer who wrote a memoir. You'll meet her in a minute. One who wrote a very, very sassy, naughty, oh, a thriller, fiction, and one who wrote a book about cybersecurity, facts and figures about what we need to know. So we've got a little bit of everything. I call them all my empowering ladies. So ladies, why don't you all wave hello to our audience on Facebook. We're saying hello. We're not doing the show on Voice America because it is a holiday and the engineer is off, but this will be available as an audio program on demand on Voice America Empowerment Channel starting Wednesday, June Second. So let me just give a little background here before I do. The date today is May 31st. As you all know, it's the 151st day of the Gregorian calendar. Shout out to Greg, Gregory, Greggy, whatever his mother called him. We like your calendar very much. We have 214 days left in 2021. If you want to drink something special on New Year's Eve, what a year this is being so far. It's actually turned out pretty well, as far as I can see, and everybody thinks so. Go get something ordered from your local liquor store, from your online liquor store. Go start making gin in the bathtub or Kahlua in the sink in the garage or in the still behind the house. I won't tell anybody, but you want to be ready because it's not that far away. 214 days. This is the 22nd Monday of 2021. Can you believe it's going this fast? The side of the Zodiac today is Gemini. The element is air. The ruler is Mercury. The lucky numbers. Play these somewhere. 5, 7, 14, and 23. I like two of those numbers. And now let's do a quick, ladies. I haven't introduced you yet, but you have to help me. We're going to do a shout out. Hello to LLL. One, two, three. Hello. Hello. Lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener. You've all listened to the show and you know. And we're still taking up a a phony baloney GoFundMe to move her to London. So it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs in London because she's in Whitestone, New York. And it's a nice place, but not as interesting as London. And we have somebody in London and we will find or near London, Callie, one of my guests. So let's go around the table and let me do introductions first. What an interesting panel we have here. So first up, we're going to be meeting Sandra Estock. She spells her last name E-S-T-O-K. She's got so many letters after her name. It's like a whole alphabet. M-B-A-G-I-A-C-G-S-L-C-C-I-P-M. She's the founder of Way Too the number to protect, that's trademarked. And she is the author of the award-winning Happily Ever Cyber. Not Happily Ever After, (laughs) Happily Ever Cyber. Sandra Estock, just say hello and just tell us just a couple of seconds about what your book's about, and then we'll go around the table. Sandra, welcome. Thank you so much, Red. This is 
phenomenal and I'm so excited to be here with you and um, having this opportunity to share a different message, a different conversation. We, we usually don't associate happily ever with the word cyber. So I'm, I'm so, so, so happy that we're going to bring a different conversation. So I Thank you. And there is, you are creative in your, in your book. And your book is a little bit of a memoir, Sandra. You come from Venezuela. Life wasn't easy. Life wasn't fun. You were the kid nobody wanted on their team. Nobody wanted to play with. And you said to yourself, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to learn to play sports. I'm going to make a new life for myself and my family. And you made it work. And then you became, the second part of the story is look at who you are, a cybersecurity expert. So we're looking forward to hearing from you, to speaking with you, Sandra, about your whole story, your full story. So yes. thank you for your book. It's beautifully done. I very much was immersed in your story as well as the message you have. So thank you, Sandra. Now let's go to my second guest. She comes to us through the good graces of a former guest of mine, a very interesting man named Armando Rosamilia, who was on last year, I think. Armando's quite the guy, quite the character, quite the author. And he introduced me to Callie Bird. C-A-L-I is her first name, Bird. You all know how to spell that. She is the author of a, a debut novel. I can't wait to see if there's going to be a sequel called Tales of the Countess. Now, you never really learn who the Countess is, but she's quite an interesting lady, quite a businesswoman, very astute, very gorgeous, legs that could go for about nine miles. She could rival. She, oh, she, oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. And she knows how to wear a business suit and heels. She knows how to party. She knows how to stay at the best hotels. She is a business consultant. And the interesting thing is that she has handbags that talk and walk. So Callie says the book is like Sex in the City meets Toy Story. Callie Bird, say hello. And why don't you give us hello. a brief introduction? Tell us where you are and tell us just a little more about your book. Callie. So welcome. hello. Thank you so much for having me. So I live in the United Kingdom. I'm about 40 miles north of London. Um, yeah, this is my first novel. And yes, there is a sequel. I'm writing it as we speak. I'm taking a bit of sabbatical from day job, software development, and and writing a, um, a sequel. So, so there will be more. So Tales of the Countess, so it came, it, it is obviously it's fiction, but it did come out of my single days. Um, Louisa, I really related to your story, which we're going to hear about soon, because yeah, I was single until I was 39. I went around the whole thing of how do I have, I decided not to have children, but I, I went around the loop, which you, you know, you took further than me, but I certainly considered yes. that. Um, and so, so the book is about getting happy in yourself. It's, you know, it's a chiclet story. It's about sorting your life out and getting a bit more grounded. And then, you know, then you're in a good place for, for, for a man. And it features handbags. This is one <laughs> that talk. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So the Countesses, we never meet her. We never know her name. Um, she's a businesswoman. It's modern day. It's actually set in the late 90s. Um, and she has, she calls them the accessories, they're various bags and a teddy bear that talk. So yeah, I, I call it Sex in the City meets Toy Story. Well, very well done. I have to tell everybody I started, I, I designate time on Mondays to read all of my guest books. If I have two guests, three, I want to remember, I want to retain. So I don't want to read them a week ago. I'm doing a, a radio show, my uh, technology revolution show with women thriller writers. I haven't read their books yet. That's Wednesday morning. So Tuesday night will be a crash course in reading thrillers. But I read the books and Callie, I'm very mad at you. I'm very upset with you. So because sorry. <laughs> you're, I, I, you owe me an apology because your book is such a page turner. I could not put it down. I said, wait a minute. I read Sandra's and now I have to have time 
designated for Louise Payton. I'm going to talk to in a second. And I couldn't put your book down. And it is hysterically. It's funny. It's cheeky. It's chic. <laughs> it's very sexy. You introduce things in the first couple of pages that nobody puts in the first couple pages of a book. <laughs> and I applaud you. We're going to find out more about your method for writing and how you plan this out, because I'm trying to write my own thriller novel right now. And I got as far as the setting the scene and who will eventually be killed. But I haven't gotten to that place yet in the book. I'm having so much fun setting it up. So maybe you'll give me some pointers. Yeah, so thank you, Callie sure. Burden. Give Armando my best, please. Now let's go to Louisa Pateman. Louisa, so happy to have you on. Louisa is the author of a memoir. Even though Sandra has a little bit of memoir in hers, Louisa's is a memoir. It's single again and again and again. What do you do when life doesn't go to plan? And she embarked on a journey to become a, this is all in caps, ladies and guys, a single mother by choice, capital S, capital M, capital C, at the age of 37. But what intrigued me, Louisa, her book is very well done. It reads like a novel. I got, I can't, I lost count of all the men. I lost count of all the men in your life, the, the Dons and the Shermans. I probably made up a couple of names in there. Very, very interesting. But she has a life plan. And the life plan, number one, starts out with find a suitable man by the age of 23, fall in love, be in a relationship for at least two years, get engaged, get married by the age of 26, have my first child at 27, my second child at 30, at 29, turn 30, live happily ever after, soulmate, the one, the right man. And that's number one. I didn't get up to number eight, but number seven is I had a 14% chance of conception at age 37, which would drop to 8% by age 39. Fall in love with my soulmate at the age of 36, get engaged for six with six months, get pregnant at 37, first child at 38, second child at 39, married at 40, happily ever after. And I understand there's a, a number eight. So Louisa, I'm putting you on speaker view. I love that. I, I don't want to offend you by saying the sense of humor, but there's a a very nice human twist, almost like a plot twist, even though yes. it's your memoir. So, Louisa, welcome. Yes. Talk, talk to us, please. Oh, Happy thank you, you, Red. Thank you, Red. And thank you for having me on it. It's lovely to be here. And hello, America. Um, yeah, so look, um, I um, I enjoyed writing my memoir and I had a lot of fun. And uh, But, uh, yes, it is my life story. And uh, I spent, I guess, 20 years trying to find my soulmate, chasing my happily ever after. And, uh, and look, I had a lot of escapades and there was a lot of uh, failed relationships, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't call them failed now. They were just relationships that ended. And, uh, and they put me on different trajectories. And uh, I ended up, you know, moving around the world and, and having a great career. But I just couldn't find the one and so yeah so look I I've got a lot of trials and tribulations and I've I've penned them in my memoir and uh, yeah as Red said I have gone on to become a single mother by choice so I uh, I chose to go down that single mother path and challenging it is and brave <laughs> it is and may I ask how old is your baby now Louisa oh my baby's double digits he turned 10 uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I know. It's been oh a decade. It's been a decade. Well, good for yeah. you. And I'm glad you're telling your story. And I I appreciate the ins and outs of the relationship. It's a little bit like Callie's story, except yours is the re it's yeah. really you. Because you're in and, and he says, Well, you know, Don was gonna leave his wife and he was only yes. moving back for six weeks. And then exactly. you got three Callie, three o'clock in the morning. Truth. She gets a phone call and it's Don's wife. It's like, who in the heck are you? You want to tell me what's been going on the past exactly. year? With my God, you can't make this. Shit up. 
but you really can. No, and I ha- and I had to tame all that down as well because there's some things you just can't write in a book. <laughs> well, I will tell you, Callie doesn't have that same rule for her novel because she made wrote it them all. She, she just made it fiction. She writes them all. The book is, I have to d- disclaimer, Tales of the Countess is an adult read. It is an X-rated read. There are words in there you might say to your closest friends or maybe in a bar after too many bottles of bubbly, but you wouldn't say it in a business meeting or to somebody you're going to have a business meeting with them anytime soon in your lifetime, unless you know them really well, who could be your boss or the guy who hired you, who you find out is going to be your buddy because he's not interested in you because he goes the other way. I think I got that all in there. (laughs) Thank you very much. I read a lot. I read a lot. So let's go around the table, ladies. I I want to go back to my theme of cool conversations with creatives. Let's talk a little about creativity. Sandra, mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about some, some of the highlights of your book. I have some notes here. We'll spend about four yeah. minutes going around the table. I want to make sure the audience gets a lot of variety here. But what does creativity mean to you, Sandra? Do you wake up and you say, I'm a creative person because of look at all the things I've done in my life and I wrote a book and it's an award-winning bestseller. What does creativity mean to you, Sandra? Creativity means um, to me, Red, um, do something that makes you happy, that inspires you, that it's like a, it's an internal flame for me. And I have discovered creativity in so many different areas that I never thought I will be creative. And, you know, whether it was cooking or with my book, like my stories, and you, you alluded a little bit about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought that I could take my stories and, relate them to cybersecurity. Like if, when I was 14 and I had my first kiss, and I, if you remember that, um, my story of my first kiss was very traumatic. And, um, you know, I, 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 I really, really like this boy and his name was Julius. But my mom, um, she got pregnant was, when she was a teenager. And of course, boys were not allowed in my, in my life. My mom was like, no. <laughs> so I get to kiss Julius and I just ran to my home. I did, I was looked, searching for my diary and I had a diary and it was small. And I just put my, my feelings and my thoughts and that diary had a key. And I thought that my secrets were safe and nobody could read that because I was carrying that key on my chest all the time. Well, the next day I come from school and I open the door and there's my mom and next to her, it's my diary wide open. So I learned at 14, like, okay, we can lose our information. And so creativity, going back to your question, when I started to work on the book, was like, what did I lose? How how it affected me? And it's making those connections and making those Mm -hmm stories. And now I know that, you know, I will always um, remember my first kiss because it ties so much um, with, with the work I'm doing. And Sandra, that was beautiful. I never expected that. And you tied it in so nicely to what the other ladies are talking about. Very well done. Very, very well done. Thank you. And we're going to go over some of the tips from your book in a couple of minutes. Callie, creativity. You live with creativity. You wake up and you say, I think I'll write a novel today. I think I'll design some (laughs) talking purses. I think I'll I'll channel Toy Story and I'll bring up Sarah Jessica Parker and, and, you know, and I'll get the clothes and the handbags and the fancy hotels and all that. Do you, what does creativity mean? to you are you born with it did you learn it Callie Bird talk to me both 
I, from an artistic point of view, because I, I blog about creativity, and this is my personal view. I say, you know, I'm I'm doing it through the medium of writing, but it could be anything, painting, photography, you know, all the areas of the arts. I say, for me, it's express expressing my truth. So, mm-hmm. you know, that story tells the Countess very much came out of my own life from 20 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I was in investment banking and I was jet setting everywhere, and you know some of those shenanigans, well, you know, they might have come from real life. You know, obviously it's fiction. <laughs> My mom might be watching. Mom, it's fiction. No, <laughs> She's hiding behind the fiction, the F word. Excuse me. Um, okay, Kelly, so, we'll, we'll let you go with that. That's fine. You're safe here. So, so um, yeah, so I just have this desire to just get these stories out. And sort of and speak through my writing. So, so from yeah, from an artistic point of view, I say it's expressing your truth. But I've learned over the years, creativity is so much wider than that. My my day job for most of the last twenty odd years has been in software development. I, I've I've got accountancy training. Um, I've fallen into a niche of software testing. And you have to be creative in those industries. I mean, Sandra, you know this, you, you know, you're, yes, you're in technology. Definitely. You know, when you're sort of working in an organization and the system breaks and you've got to fix it and you've got to figure out what's going on and, do you, and think, gosh, how are we going to do this? You mm-hmm. have to be really creative. Yeah. You know, when yeah. I'm writing user manuals of how to do this, you have to be creative. And when I test stuff and I think, this is so complicated. How am I going to write a script where someone else can pick this up and see if the software works? And that's creative. So over the years, I've learned that creativity is so much more than writing a novel or painting a picture mm-hmm. or making jewelry, whatever it is you want to do. It's, it's what we all do in life. Life mm-hmm. is creative. You know, we solve yeah. problems. We do stuff for ourselves and other people. Allie, I have to tell you, you're preaching to this choir. I am considered <laughs> an early woman in tech. You don't know that about me. But I was coding in COBOL on an IB, I'm sorry, a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 back in the wow. 70s for a mainframe oh. statewide information system in the state of Oregon. And then I was coding on an IBM 4341 in PL1 language. And um, I had major coding jobs for different companies over the years. And I was recently invited on March, 4, March 8th, International Women's Day, to be the kickoff speaker for the organization called Women in Big Data. And I was their kickoff speaker for their event as an early woman in tech. And I had pictures of what a key punch machine looked like and what a green this. bar paper. And I have my COBOL, <laughs> my silver COBOL handbook. And I had pictures of the, the core dump from the programs that I wrote and taking notes in pencil on a piece of paper from a consultant in another part of the state telling me how to design the programs they needed. One line across, line on the side, five columns this way, five rows this way. (laughs) And here were the headers. And he'd say, go code it, make it happen. We need it by Thursday. And it was Wednesday. And I did it. Thousands and thousands of lines of code, all handwritten and then code, then key punched. Sandra, I actually had to sit in the machine. Yeah. And so I come from that era. So what I wanted to say was, Callie, when I I started my pro, I have a degree in psychology, but I didn't do anything with it. I was a programmer analyst, called himself program analyst. And it was management information systems. It was MIS in those days. It wasn't IT. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first couple of times I ran a program and it worked. I jumped up like I used to say in the Toyota (laughs) commercial, Eureka. And I said, I created it. And my theory about programming is that you start with a blank page, tabula rasa, like some people think our brains are an empty, clean slate, right? When you're born, well, you start with a page and somebody says, okay, design this report. And you say, well, how do I, well, I have the 
the tools. I have the language, COBOL, PL1 assembler, whatever it is you're coding in. And I have my brain and I have the idea of where I need to take it, the plot, if you will, of how to get to the report, which is the goal of the of the story, if you will. And then you get to design it as only you can because it's your program. So I always felt that people say, oh, I'm not good in math. I could be a programmer. I could never be a programmer. I'm not good in math. Well, that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with a logical mind going from point A to point B and getting there, following certain rules and making sure that the outcome is, a fa- is the outcome that people needed, which in your case would be a story that intrigues mm-hmm. people along the way and gives them some kind of pleasure or joy or, or a, a relief, a respite from the real world and a couple of laughs along the way. So thank you for letting me rattle on, but you brought back <laughs> such memories, Callie. Early <laughs> woman in tech here and proud of it, by the way. Good for so, you. Good for thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been quite a ride, I'll tell you. And I was, I was always too shy to even talk in class and here I am broadcasting all over the world. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, Thank you. Louisa, what does creativity mean to you, dear? And you certainly had to be creative throughout your life getting to where you are. So I'm going to put you on speaker view. Talk to us. What does it mean? Yeah, look, for me, uh, creativity is living your biggest and best life. I guess um, one of my biggest fears is living Groundhog Day. And, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly all of us here haven't haven't done that. So that's good to see. But it's I, I have this mantra. It's like, I just want to either create or embrace exciting and rewarding life experiences. And so it's just finding those opportunities. And for me, look, I've traveled, I've you know, had a great career. And, and I guess there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> um, I'm an engineer, so there's a, a lot of logical brains in this room at the moment. But uh, yes. <laughs> yes, but, but we're all creative. Yes, and but we're 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 expanding on our creative sides, which is absolutely fantastic. And so we're using both sides of our brain. But uh, yeah, for me, it really is taking advantage of opportunities. You know, I try and travel, try different foods, try different culture. It's just living a creative life and the biggest and best life possible. I am so impressed with the three of you, and you're right. There is a lot of brain power in this room. I'm impressed with all of you. You're all, you all have serious day jobs. You're all doing work in addition to what you write. In addition to your writing, you all have a serious career. Uh, I was going to go to the famous birthdays and the national holidays, but I don't want to do that yet because I'm enjoying this part of the show so much. Sandra, why don't you give us some of the tips from your book? Happily Ever Cyber. I'd love to share those. And I have a bunch of, what did I copy down for you? I copied uh, Sandra's notes here. Let's see. Well, you had a forward by Dan Tyson from Apollo Information Systems. And he said there were two rules when he wrote the forward to your book. Nothing is free on the internet. And people are not as skeptical on the internet as they are in real life. And this can get them into trouble. So with that, why don't you talk to us some of the odds of, of getting hacked? You talk about the number of kids who have identity theft experiences, mm-hmm. victimized. Sandra, in your own words, why don't you tell us, spend about three minutes to give us some tips from your book, please. I'd love to share that with my audience. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the, I will say that the best um, that worked for me, being a victim of identity theft too, um, Brett, uh, you know, as someone that has been in the industry, you don't expect that you are going to go through that. Mm-hmm. So I went through that. And what I realized when, when I went back and re, relieved the steps I was taking, um, the word that came for me is distraction. That, that's the biggest reason why cybercrime and identity theft and all these things happen. Now, my story, you know, I was taking off from a plane by Homeland Security officers because 
someone in China was smuggling women into the U.S. using my identity. So I spent six years through that nightmare. And um, mental health, uh, depression, and all fears, and all these different feelings that you have on top of losing your information. Um, So one thing that I'm very passionate about today is to talk about this distraction. And when we are... And as I was distracted, I wasn't really paying attention. And what Dave talks about, um, the skepticism or, or the questions that you ask when someone with authority asks you for your passport or someone with authority or in a phone call, they tell you they are the IRS or they are the Social Security or they are a lawyer. You know, we tend to, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, believe that. Mm-hmm. And in so many cases, give out our information without asking, why are you asking me? Is it really you? How, how do I know you are really you? And I think that's the muscle and that's the, the, the message I want to bring because when we stop distractions and we are present and we're mindful and we are really where we are when we use technology, the chances of getting someone um, to scam us or to trick us are so much smaller. So, but the, one of the biggest um, tricks or the bigger, the biggest um, tips that I can give your audience, Red, is anytime you are using your technology, just spend three seconds breathing. It's free. You don't have to upgrade breathing. You don't have to change it. It never expires. Breathe before taking an action, before you do a post in social media about your personal information. I'm on vacation. My house is empty or before um, you click on an email that sends you an email, uh, a link or an attachment or anything, just spend three seconds, breathe and ask yourself, do you really trust that information? Is it real? Can you uh, validate that is, you know, it's coming from a, from a valid source. Thank you very much. And often Sandra, we don't know if it's a valid source. So sometimes we, we have don't. to say, is it worth it to me to take that chance, right? Is it worth Absolutely. the risk? Let me just read a couple of statistics. Uh, in Sandra's book, she said, the chances of getting attacked by a shark are one in 11.5 million. Yes. The chances of getting struck by lightning are one in 1 million. Chances mm-hmm. of getting a hole in one for the average golfer on a golf course is one in 12,000. The chances mm-hmm. of getting killed by a falling coconut Okay, I'm sure there's some drinks in there. Somebody's going to say, wait, it fell out of my glass. The chances are one in 50.7 million odds. The chances of finding a pearl in an oyster are one in 12,000. The same as getting a hole in one. That's interesting. Okay. Yes. Now, the odds for Americans to become a victim of cybercrime and identity theft are one in four. Just let that. Yeah. yeah. One in four. There is a cyber attack every 39 seconds. seconds. A ransomware attack, which we all know happened to the major pipeline here in the U.S. a couple weeks ago, occurs every 14 seconds. The prediction for ransomware impact cost is $20 billion around the world. 43% of data breaches happen to small businesses. 60% are out of business six months later. On top of the the pandemic, that's deadly. Every minute, cybercrime costs $2.9 million to the global economy. And I'll just do one more. The U.S. is number eight. Oh, whoopee. Number eight among the top countries affected by robocalls or scam calls with a total of 54 billion 
calls placed. The number one country, can you guess, uh, Louisa or Callie, can you guess the number one country? If the U.S. is number eight, what's the country that has the highest incidence of robocalls or scam calls? Callie, Louisa, any guess? Maybe Canada? Nope, not even close. I don't know what the list is, but they're not number one. Callie, any chat? Any well, we guess? get a lot in the UK. Um, I can't think of bigger than you. Russia. I don't know. Brazil. Mm-hmm. Oh, that Brazil. Makes sense. Interesting. Sort of a highly populated country, you know. Sort of and nearly one in five people lost money due to imposter scams. Uh, Sandra, I recently interviewed Chris Hadnagy on a couple of my shows, who is the bo- uh, author of a book and has a company on social engineering, aka cyber. Hack, human hacking, it's called. That's mm-hmm. that's interestingly enough. The shows were not very popular. We didn't get a lot of lot of uh, watchers, viewers, or listeners. I think social engineering threw people off. Maybe they thought it was etiquette. But if I would have said human hacking, they would have. And the point is that he is hired with his team in real life, Sandra, to infiltrate a highly secure U.S. Sec- I, I just say a highly secured secret U.S. location secured by Mm -hmm. the government. And he and his colleagues do everything, including calling up and saying, we're coming to check a gas leak, to going into a a gully in a car and knowing exactly when the guards are walking against the electric fence and when the dogs are going to be brought out to secure that fence and being able to scale the fence, get into the compound and open doors with passwords they got over the phone just by pretending to be somebody else. That is called human hacking. Callie, are you shocked? Shock. Yes. They were hide from the internet, don't you? They were hired to infiltrate and prove that the system was not even close to impregnable. Excuse the term, Louisa, we'll get to you in a minute. Wow. It it was a wow. And his book, uh, Callie, interestingly enough, Chris Hadnegi's book reads like a thriller novel. And we parked a half a mile away and the lights were coming and the dogs were walking and the fence was there and there was nobody around. We were in the secret place and we wondered where we going to get attacked and we went over the fence and what a way to... He writes it like a damn thriller novel. Novel, and it's about social engineering, human hacking. And we have it. Watch any, I watch MI5 called Spooks here in the United States. I'm on season nine. They keep killing off all their agents. I've cried too many times. <laughs> but yeah, the actors keep leaving. Great show. I think I'll go do something else in my career. Time for Shakespeare again. Stop leaving the damn show. I loved all of you. <laughs> anyway, the point is that they're all, they walk in with a uniform. And this was to your point, Sandra. Oh, hi, I'm Bob. And we're checking to see if that boiler you had mm-hmm. a problem with last month is going to act up again because we know you're having some special business. People let them in. All the yep. time in, in, in Tam's house, in, in, in Parliament, they let them in a uniform, name on the badge. Sure, you can come in and check. They don't ask for badge. Okay, it looks good to me. Anyway, shocking. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for the tips. Thank you for letting me read some of the information from your book. Somebody just got a message. Absolutely. Callie Bird, I want to talk to you. Now, I want you to talk a little bit about your book. Your language is a little bit over the top from my show. But Callie, I have a very personal question for you. Don't be offended. Are you a plotter or a pantser when you write? Do you know what those are? I do. And yeah, she's I, British. She knows. Go ahead. I'm a pants. I started off as a pantser. I'm probably hybrid now. So for people who don't know what we're talking about, pantser, some people write novels, just they have a seed of an idea and they just write and they have no idea what's going to happen. And they're finding out as they're typing away, working on a book and they're finding the story as they write. And that's called pantsing because you're doing it by the seat of your pants. Right. Um, and plotting is where you you write an outline. You you think and you you sort of sketch it out on paper first. You might have a chapter outline. You're making sure all stories have certain sort of arcs and you know sort of moments that you need in the story to make it satisfying. And so they're they're sort of planning ahead 
have I got all these elements? Do my does it make sense? So I, I start off as a pantser. So Tales of the Countess was pantsed as I learned to write, basically, because I was a, it, it took me quite a few years to write it because I was learning as I went and I was a few years in and I realised there was a lot more about novel writing than I actually knew and I had to keep learning and learning and write something else and come back to it. And, and on the sequel, so what I do now, I, I pantsed a bit and I write notes and I wrote journals as some of the characters. I kind of see what I've got. And then I did go through a process um, of plotting it. And then um, it's a gentleman called John Truby, a 22-step story structure. Mm -hmm. I went on one of his courses many years ago. And he basically, you work through his book and you, and you start off with a premise. And if you do the exercises in every chapter, you come out with a scene list. So, so, so I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, 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 I'm a slow writer. I, I don't sort of get them out as quick as Armando does, you know. This is a layered process for me. So I start off pencil, see what I've got. Then I plot an outline and then I write to that. And it still meanders a bit. And, and you still, mm -hmm. I've, what I've been writing this week, I had a hole in my first draft and I've been filling that hole. Um, and interestingly about having babies, what that does to your career, you know, mm. um, how juggling both, if you want to be high level in corporate life, how's that, you know, how's that go with having babies, you know, the conundrums that we all go through. Um, so, and then you have to trust that that is going to tie in later. So that there's a Panston element there because I've got my plan and I'm hoping this, this added flavor to, to a basic outline is going to tie up nicely and you have to just trust uh, there's an expression i've heard recently called trust uh, trust emergence so you you have a hunch as you write and you just go with it and you have to trust that you know in six weeks time when i'm you know further along on this story that the hunch is going to wrap up and it's all going to tie in it'll come to you very very interesting my, my book starts out with it was not a dark and stormy night because the homeowners association specifically wrote in their 145 page manual it was prohibited <laughs> Good uh, Good i'm not kidding you that's that's where mine's going and it's uh there's a lot of stuff in there i'm already picking a pseudonym because i cannot be known mm. <laughs> As the author of this book, because it'll be too damn obvious. Callie, I have a question for you before I get to yeah. Louisa. Louisa, we're going to talk in depth about your book in a minute. Ladies, I'm so very much enjoying speaking to the three of you. You're just delightful. You're so smart. You're all so savvy. You're all just in the moment with me. And I, I appreciate you very, very much. So, and I'm glad we're doing the show today. No disrespect for Memorial Day, but the show does go on. Callie, when did you yeah. decide to use naughty language in your book, lady? That's what I want to know. Well, from the <laughs> beginning, to be honest, I mean, we did have an offer conversation with how one of my bags got its name and you'll have to look on my blog for that if you're really curious because <laughs> we're keeping it clean so I mean yeah I I swear you know I use language sometimes not all the time but mm. you know I'm not it's, that's that's who I am so when it came to writing um that's my voice that's the character that's the countess she's a work hard play hard girl Yep. So, the, you know, there's a couple of naughty words. I always say to people, because it's, you know, it is talking handbags. So I say, you know, it's not children's book. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey either. I mean, when no. we say it's adult content, it's not adult in that sense. No. It's, you know, just somewhere in the middle. Just yes. a little bit Thank naughty you. and suggestive. I just use the word naughty language because I, I just say nasty. <laughs> language is X-rated and it's repeated over and over again. And it's not the F-bomb we're talking about. It's other words. But I'm intrigued that the, the handbags become the parental 
guidance for for the countess you know should you be drinking that much should you have gone to talk to that man did she really and they talk to each other they confer like her own little little club of of guidance and i call you know the super ego the parental part that says no 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 shouldn't go there keep your mouth mm-hmm. up keep walking yeah those are the handbags very interesting thank you louisa let's talk to you about all the stories you decided to put in your memoir. It's yeah. long. It's, it's more than well over 200 pages and you just let it all in there. So why don't you talk <laughs> to us about your creative decision? It's a memoir, but you had to make the yeah. decisions. How many yeah. stories, how many chapters, how many life plans, yes. what people, are all the men's names changed to protect the guilty? Yes, I had to change them all. <laughs> okay. All right. Talk <laughs> to us about your decisions. Go it, ahead. It was actually a creative process in deciding what to rename them. So <laughs> that in itself became quite it. a, a fun task between me and my girlfriends <laughs> to say, all right, now, what should we call this one and why? And so we've we've got this uh, innuendo and, and the, the secrets behind the scene, I guess, as to why different ones are called different things so that's that was a creative aspect in itself it was interesting Kelly listening to you and listening to your process in in writing because I guess I'm very similar but I, I like this trust emergence that you mentioned because um I I guess I used that without realizing it had a term and um and so when I decided to write my memoir being an engineer I'm very process driven right so you've got mm. this fine balance between uh, the engineering left brain and the the creative right brain and and trying to make sure it actually comes across as fun and mm-hmm. and enjoyable and conversational at the same time I've got all these processes and layers and so I'd or, I'd done quite a lot of research in regards to the length of a book that I needed to have that would satisfy uh, the requirements to be uh, listed on different uh, platforms for sale but also not being too long that someone who didn't read would be um, persuaded not to buy it. So I actually ended up having to cut quite a lot out. And I, it's interesting seeing some of the reviews because some of the reviews were, oh, I wish you'd gone into more detail with some of the stories. Oh. But then other, other reviews I've got is that you've done it perfectly and it's just the right amount. And I did cull um, to meet a 60,000-word limit purely because I wanted to... I wanted to reach people that don't normally read. So my story is for women that, it, you know, of, of all different ages effectively who are struggling with, you know, finding the one or this happily ever after notion and, and uh, or single amongst all their friends who are couples and just struggling with not actually getting their life plan as I define in the book. And so I wanted to reach people, women particularly, who may not necessarily pick up a book. So I didn't want something that was a really fat, you know, fat <laughs> binds, if you like, um, but I wanted to make sure I ticked that box of of the sixty thousand words, I guess. So, so, and the process is in there, and it, I, um, I guess I use the hero's journey. So, there's actually quite a lot of layers in in how I wrote my memoir. So, it, um, I loved how it ended in the ended up in, at the end and uh, the conversational tone, but I did actually spend a lot more time in the the story development and the, the I guess, <laughs> all my duds, as I call them in the book, uh, you know, going through all my duds to to really set the scene um, before then going on that journey to single motherhood. And so, yeah, look, and, and I also had a fine line between, oh, how many do I put in there? You know, how many, you know, it's like, all right, 
I may have a few more than that, but uh, let's just call it a dozen because uh, <laughs> that's palatable. <laughs> so, so we'll say, all right, we'll, we'll put those in there and look, they're the most memorable ones. So, yeah. Thank you. Very, very interesting. So, something in your book, uh, in your story, Louisa, reminded me of, I wrote a romantic, I've written three plays that I actually produced with community actors and actresses. Well, people call them actors today. It doesn't matter what your gender is, the acting profession, they're yes. actors. Uh, yep. In New York, when I was living on Long Island for my TV show, my TV show is called Something to Talk About. And we produced them with a green screen and a lot of, lot of digitized, uh, over um, superimposed virtual backgrounds, if you will. And a couple meet on on the internet just before the turn of the millennium before y2k and Mm. it's interesting and i believe in one of my scenes i think that was the play i there were three of them it was several years ago but i think in one of them and by the way i wrote those plays which were produced for to be able to condense down into 29 minutes even with a couple of scenes for a a 30-minute tv show and um what's i gonna say i something in mind um one of the pressures was the woman hadn't gotten married and her mother mm-hmm. had bought a pink hat and my mom had a pink hat. So what are you getting married again? Because I divorced <laughs> early. And the pressure was, I have the pink hat. When's the wedding? It wasn't when you, I already had kids. It wasn't when you're going to have yes. children, but that yes. pressure. And you talk about, you do get into some serious stuff, Louise, in your book. Oh, you talk yes. about being groomed by the happily ever yes. after and the bad character is always yes. the evil stepmother. It's always a woman. Yes. It's always, yes. oh, Cruella, yes. welcome, fashion or not. So I, I found that very interesting. You've got some very serious parts about being groomed for, yes, you're supposed mm-hmm. to, will you, why aren't you, what's wrong with you? And men get the same pressure, right? Well, where's the special girl? I want grandchildren. Hello. <laughs> not, not always ain't going to happen these days. So thank mm-hmm. you. I, I didn't even think while you're speaking, I'm thinking there is a creative process to writing a memoir. How much do I put in? Yes. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. By the way, question for all three of you. Are you self-published or did you wait for a publisher to come and grab you up with a million-dollar contract? I'm self-published. You're self-published. Sandra, how about you? I am self-published too. And Callie? Yes, I'm self-published. Many years ago, I did tell to our literary agents back. This was like early noughties. Um, But when it came to this time to publish, I just went straight self-publishing. So the landscape's changed. And I just, I I wanted that. It's about control. I want to control my characters. yeah, I was too. curious because I've I've done some on one of my business shows the mm-hmm. the future technology revolution the future of now I did one on the future of self publishing, and I thought it was very interesting the idea of control and I've also heard that unless you're Oprah or Reese Witherspoon or Matthew McConaughey or Jake Tapper you're not getting a big time publisher to hand you a million dollar advance and do your whole marketing campaign and do your book tour you're gonna do it all anyway and you ain't getting a million dollars. So, right. So that is, yes. it, it used to be something, oh, she couldn't get a publisher. She self published. Well, it's not that way anymore. It's a choice, no, it's right? Not. It yeah. is. It it's is. Self publishing this time. Yeah. It's a choice. Very interesting. Well, I'll have to tap your brain when we get to that point. Ladies, the time is flying. What I'd like to do is go through my famous people's birthday. See if you all know any of these. Oh, one actor passed away in 1993, which is eons ago. It's Don Amici, but there's always a, there's a little joke. You know, the knock, knock jokes. Mm-hmm. Don Amici mm-hmm. was a very well-known actor. You're all way too young to remember him. But the, the joke is, knock, knock, who's there? Don Amici, Don Amici. I'll be Don Amici in a taxi, honey. And that was an old song. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. All right. Laura, lovely, lanky Laura Legs will remember that. Clint, I'm going in reverse age. The oldest first, Clint Eastwood, composer. I didn't know, actor, director, scriptwriter, famous all-around bad guy. Happy birthday. Anybody know how old Clint Eastwood is? 
I was going to the car outside the mall. I just need to have, there's no shoe repairs where I live in Durham, North Carolina. You have to drive a half hour and the guy's charging me more for a pair of heels on my little drummer boots, more for a pair of heels than I paid for the shoes in the first place, the boots. (laughs) I swear, $20 a pair for heels. I brought in three pairs of boots at 60 bucks to get my shoes back next week. I never in my life would I pay that much for heels. But he said, hey, couldn't find anybody. Looked high and low. He's the only one around. I had to drive a half hour. I gave him them. Anyway, the bottom line is when I left the mall, Somebody was lighting up a cigarette outside in the parking lot and the smell went across. He wasn't that far from me under my mask, up my nose. And I said, I have not smelled cigarettes in years. I don't know if any of you are smokers. I hope I'm not offending anybody. I, I did. Uh, ex-smoker. did. I was always sort of part-time smoker. Part-time. Well, this just, I, I, I stepped back. Luckily, there wasn't a car behind me. I stepped back. I said, wow, why is that? It just literally penetrated right under the mask, went right up my nose. And I said, I do not even remember the smell of cigarettes. I'm just not around people who, it was just Mm -hmm. an interesting experience. So it's World No Tobacco Day today. So wherever you were, put out your cigarette. Okay, tomorrow is, these are U.S. national holidays, uh, Callie. So I don't know what they're doing where you are in London and Louisa. Well, we're on holiday. It's a holiday for us today, but it's not linked to Memorial Day like it is in the U.S. It's just spring bank holiday. The last Monday in May is always a a, a bank holiday, a day off work and the kids are out of school this, this week. Okay. For, well, for a week. there you go. Happy holiday to you. Tomorrow, uh, where are we? June. F- no. I'm sorry. I had the wrong. W- yes, I had the right ones. June 1st. Tomorrow is Tuesday. I'm so excited. It's National Dare Day. You going to dare anybody to do anything, Sandra? Yes, I <laughs> dare everyone to change their password and oh. use a phrase ah, that has meaning for you. you. Good. So. I do that. I do that. But on some of them, yes. I have to use a capital letter. Sometimes I have to use a special character. Yes. Sometimes I use, need one number. So they're all, so I can't remember automatically. I have to remember. It's National Flip a Coin Day. So you could say flip a coin, what password I pick, right? We could yes. do that. <laughs> it's also... Go barefoot day. So while you're changing your password and flipping a coin, take your shoes off. Okay. Yes. And while you're doing that, it's National Hazelnut Cake Day. I used Ooh. to make a hazelnut tort that was really, really good. Wow. Years. But while you're doing that, you have to look good. So it's National Nail Polish Day. Everybody getting Ooh. the story I'm building here. <laughs> and then you're going to have somebody ask you what you're doing. Instead of telling them mind their own blank in business, you're going to say something nice day because it's say something nice day. And oh, But if yes. you don't want to be nice, you're going to say today is Oscar the Grouch Day. So Oscar the Grouch from <laughs> Sesame Street, you can do that. And then you're going to write to somebody who's not near you because it's pen pal day. I think internet, e- oh. I think email qualifies as pen pal. It's also, ladies, I hate to tell you this, but it's wear a dress day. This is all on Tuesday. And it's, <laughs> it's world milk day. day. It's a busy day. So you're going to have a day you're going to flip a coin, you're going to go barefoot, you're going to eat hazelnut cake, you're going to put nail polish on or show off what you have, you're going to say something nice, you're going to remember Archie, the art. you're going to write a pen pal or email to somebody or a secret text or something, wear a dress and world milk day, drink up. That's the busiest holiday I've seen on the national calendar. <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's, it's, it is exhausting. I get to bed now. It's exhausting. <laughs> get now, it gets, as the week goes on, it's fewer and fewer. So Wednesday, June 2nd is Global Running Day. You can run to get rid of the cake. Hey, hey, cake, cake. Yeah. That's it. It's, cake. Na- it's also National Leave the Office Early Day to go running. Very good. And when you go home, it's rotisserie chicken day. So pick up that chicken at Costco and you can go running, come, leave the office early to pick it. See, I'd like to link these. Are you all celebrating? Leave the office early, go running and rotisserie. I find rotisserie chicken a little dry, but I break it apart and I dip it in ketchup. And I, anybody eat ketchup where you are? Anybody? Tomato sauce. Yeah, we call it tomato Tom- sauce. Tomato yeah. sauce. Well, it's got all kinds of stuff in it, you know, loaded with sugar. Ketchup. Sandra, do you, in your, your background, tomato sauce, is that part of your culture? Not so much. We we Venezuela is not big on spices. Um, yeah, not so much. Okay. 
All right. Well, then I think you'll like Thursday. This is my day. National Egg Day. I try to eat an egg, a one and a half eggs. I have my, my partner is here for lunch. And we have an omelet made with three eggs, a little bit of sprinkled uh, Colby Jack cheese. And so I like we'll them. grill a little whole grain bread. And once in a while, some crisp bacon, but not often. I'm lying. It's every day. Okay, National Egg Day. It's <laughs> National Moonshine Day. Already remembered for New Year's Eve. Go make your moonshine. That's illegal booze in the in the bathtub. It's repeat yeah. day. Dare I repeat myself? Dare I repeat myself? Dare I, it's a copy machine day. It's World Bicycle Day. Get on that bike. And it's World Cider Day. Okay, wow. I think I left that from last week. I don't know. Anyway, Friday is National Cheese Day, Donut Day. And while you're having a donut with cheese, hug your cat. Oh, <laughs> does anybody have cats? Yes, I have a cat and it's meowing in the background. So hopefully you can't hear. We can't hear, but bring your cat. That's fine. Bring your cat to radio day. Saturday is National Prairie Day. I don't know where to find a prairie and it's World Environment Day. So find a prairie and thank the world for our environment. And do something about it. I'm still separating garbage. You know, it's every other week here. You have to check the calendar to see when's a trash day and when's a trash and recycle day. And they give you, we have to keep our garbage cans in our garage and the, they come along with a truck that has a, an automated, automatic mechanism that, you know, picks it mm-hmm. up, lifts it in the air, and then dumps it up. Well, they completely smashed one of my garbage cans two years ago, completely smashed it to bits. They threw it on the ground in the driveway. Part of the side tore off. The cover ripped off. It was a mess. So I called, and they said, leave it out, and somebody will pick it up and send a replacement. So I left it out in front, and a nosy neighbor went by and called the city and oh, called the HOA here and complained that I had a garbage can out on a non-garbage day. So I was given a warning. So oh my I goodness. printed out Where'd a big. Go? I know I printed out a big sign and it said, "Out for collection, broken, needs repair. Do not touch. Do not call the HOA. It's here for a reason." So I did that on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. On Friday, Friday, I brought it in. I called the city again. They said. Well, somebody will be there next week. Leave it out. And said, are you kidding? I'm getting complaints from the neighbors. I'm getting reported to the HOA. And people would walk by. I watched them from my office window, and they said, oh, 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 somebody's got a sign on this. Go, well, do you think that excuses it? I don't know. I think we should report them. Yeah. Oh, it was a big debate. It was, it was really horrible. And wow. finally, they picked it up, and they brought me a new one. And you have to keep it in your garage. All your stinky garbage is in your garage. You can't leave it on the side of the house has to stay in the garage until that day. And you got 24 hours to bring it back. Never mind. I can't tell you. Anyway, so um, Sunday, June 6th is National D-Day. We all know what D-Day is, a day in, in infamy. It's eyewear day. I do need an appointment with the eye doctor. It's been two years. Thank you very much. I can still see well enough, but it's time. It's gardening exercise day. My garden's on my windowsill, so I reach over the sink. T- no, I have a greenhouse too. And it's yo-yo day. Anybody remember what a yo-yo is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody have one? Not anymore, but I had not anymore. But I used (laughs) to play. You got to get one for for Sunday, June sixth. It's Yo Yo Day. (laughs) Seventh is next Monday, and it's National Chocolate Ice Cream Day, and it's Prince's birthday. What can I tell you? And Tuesday next week, in case you need to prepare, is National Best Friends Day. So that's that's all I have for the days. And I hope I've left you ladies with something very interesting. In case you ever dare to have a boring day, you can listen to the show and remember (laughs) all the the holidays. So let's go around the table with some parting words here. We're just about at 8 o'clock Eastern. We could go a few more minutes. It's fine. Let's go around the table. Sandra, any thoughts? Your book is informational. Your book is biographical. It's part memoir. It's part information. 
let me ask a, a foundational question. What made you go into the cybersecurity field? You had a lot of options. You were a sporting woman. You got sports scholarships. You literally mm-hmm. lifted yourself up by commitment, by dedication, by focus, by stubbornness, by I'm going to get out of this place I'm living. I'm going to make something for my life and my family. You did it. What made you choose this field of endeavor? Why don't you take about three minutes and I'll go around and ask all of you that. Go ahead, Sandra. Absolutely. I think when once my identity was stolen and I, I didn't get any answers, I was in technology for a long time, but I didn't have that mindset of cybersecurity. Um, I, I was very curious. And I as soon as I became a U.S. citizen, an opportunity opened up in that field, Red. And have you ever been like, you're, you're, your, the lie goes on inside your, your brain. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to me when I learned who's behind cybercrime, why they do it, how they do it, and what can you do to protect it. And, um, you know, that really drove me to obviously work in the, in the field for many years and eventually leave my corporate career and, and start dedicating myself to, to find a different way to express how how can we protect about cyber safety? How can we do about cyber safety? How can we integrate it? And women, um, as someone that has been in technology, I always had these confidence issues sometimes because it's a very male-dominated feel. And I wasn't always uh, very comfortable, even though I was in technology. So um, with this tool, with my book, my intention is to bring that confidence. If you are not, you know, feeling that technology is not for you, or that somebody else has to fix your computer or your information, and, and you're afraid, this is the perfect book to walk you step by step to give you that confidence that to put you back in that seat where you are the driver. And that's my goal to empower women and to, to make, you know, to make cyber safety a choice. And um, I put all my stories and stories when I didn't know how to swim and I became a scuba diver (laughs) Um, and that I almost killed someone in the process. And, you know, stories that in some cases are, not very funny. Um, others are um, my health issues. I mean, everything that I have done in my life that happened for me, prepare me. And um, that's what I'm very, very excited about sharing the book, um, about sharing yeah. the message. And and it's a series. So more books are coming out. And um, I'm so grateful um, of all um, read because my childhood, as you said, it wasn't easy. Um, being bullied, being, you know, yes, being, being in those places and yes. changing my life. So I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful, thankful Thank for you. everything that and has And we're happened. grateful for you. And I want to send people to Happily Ever Cyber, H-A-P-P-I-L-Y-E-V-E-R-C-Y-B-E-R.com for Sandra's book. Callie, let's go to you. What about you, your your choice, original choice of your career and your choice to start writing thriller novels? Callie? So uh, behind me, I've got a grand piano. So I actually was a music major at university. I came to America, North Texas State University or University oh, no. of North Texas now. Um, but 
as I graduated, my options were to be a school, like a schoolroom music teacher or an unemployed flute player. There were, and, and I just, um, so I went to the university career service and they said, become a chartered accountant. That's like a CPA. So anybody at that time graduating, there were engineers, there were all kinds of people who had no idea what to do with their lives, became chartered accountants. And, and it was true, it was a fantastic business grounding and you did triple your salary and double your salary in, in three years. Um, so, so with this artistic background, I went into corporate world, accounting, investment banking, sideways into programming and, and finally working on accounting software. I went full circle back to debits and credits. Um, but of course, if you're if you've got that artistic side or creative side, you know, it's an itch you have to scratch from time to time. It, it will screw you up if you don't. So, Ooh. so yeah, I just had to find a way over the last few years and I've often worked part-time. So I've often worked three days a week in the day job and had time to do creative projects. So I've been a life coach in the past, like, you know, Tales of the Countess, that was, that's been a long-term project on and off over the years. So yeah, just finding a way to do both because I like having, you know, the, the technology side pays nicely. I like creature comforts, but I have to, I have to do the writing. I have to, you know, this express your truth. I, I'm really driven to do it and and to keep writing more you know, sort of Thank follow on you, stories. Thank you, Callie. Interesting. I want to send people to your website. You have two here. One is Callie, C-A-L-I, Bird, B-I-R-D. That's C-A-L-I, B-I-R-D, one word, dot com. And she also has gentlecreative.com, G-E-N-T-L-E-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E.com. Thank you. And Louisa, briefly, what got you into what you do? Go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting hearing Sandra and Callie's stories. But, uh, yeah, for me, look, I was good at maths at school and science and uh, and I actually had no idea what I wanted to do and I was sent on a women in engineers seminar uh, in, when I was uh, in my last year of school and it's interesting how it appears men have uh, formed a lot of my life decisions, good and bad, but, uh, yeah, that. They had a whole series of different types of engineers, chemical engineer, environment engineer, civil engineer. And, and I stood, I guess I, I sat there and went, oh, well, they're, they're pretty boring and they're un- <laughs> uninspiring. But the civil engineers seemed to be really quite cute and charismatic. So I went, okay, I guess I'll be a civil engineer. <laughs> and, and that's as much I guess, thought process that I put into it. And so I put civil engineering and I had, I turned up to my first day of university, not even knowing what a civil engineer did. And, uh, but I, I got there in the end. <laughs> wow. That's absolutely fascinating. And your website for people to know more about you is Louisa Payton, L-O-U-I-S-A, P-A-T-E-M-A-N.com. Ladies, I'm so intrigued with the three of you. You're also committed and articulate, and savvy, and charismatic, and charming, and interesting. You all have it. You've all got that that it factor that makes you so interesting and fun to talk to. I'm allowed to say it's fun to talk to you. I'm allowed to say it because I'm a host. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. So I want to read a couple of closing messages here that I do every week on the show. If you've listened, you've seen it. And we're going to promote the heck out of this on. I think a lot of people are away for the weekend. We got a small viewership on Facebook, but we'll take care of that. By the way, I had somebody from the summit on recently and uh, she managed to get 12,000 people to watch the video. So ladies, your challenge is on. So here we go. Here's my first words to live by. And I looked up my notes from my radio shows in 2014 and I found these and I still like them. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss 
slowly. It's the only way. Love truly, right, Louisa? Love truly, right, Sandra? Right, Callie? Yes. Kiss slowly. <laughs> Love, la- laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. And we're smiling now, so we have no regrets. And here's finally, work like you don't need the money, even if you do. Make it look like you're having fun somehow, because <laughs> we know the countess is right, right, Callie. Dance like nobody's watching. I've taught dance to hundreds of people, and believe me, in that back in the days, and I've been a disco dancer and contest entrant. People were watching. Sing like nobody's listening. I play the drums now. I try not to sing. People like the drums, singing not so much. Love like you've never been hurt because, damn, we all have and nobody cares. So get over it and move on. Right, Louisa? Just (laughs) keep moving. Like Dory says, just keep swimming, 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 swimming. Money talks, chocolate sings. And last but not least, and I borrowed this line from a host I heard on the radio many decades ago. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red signing off. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.